All right, Job chapter 8 this morning. Last week we uh, discovered uh, what a hurting friend needs. Uh, Kindness, Uh, maybe some compassion, some support, and and, uh, some compassionate actions. Hurting friends don't need a theologian or a philosopher uh, and their opinions and their ideas and thoughts on it. Uh, They just need someone to express genuine kindness uh, and be there for them. And so this week, we'll just kind of look at a few things and a few thoughts uh, as when bad things do happen, they're going to happen. We understand that. And so uh, hopefully this morning, I got three thoughts for you, uh, the idea of uh, rejecting bad theology or poor theology. Sometimes we make an assumption and we just assume what God's doing. And we kind of had a, a recurring thought about that last week. And, and, uh, but this week, we're going to talk about a mediator. Job, in, in his response to Bildad, uh, asked, there is no daysman, there's no mediator, but thank God we have a mediator today uh, that we can go to. And then we want to always remember, God can work things beautifully together. And so those are our thoughts this morning. Uh, but we'll begin by reading chapter 8, and then we'll look at chapter 8, and we'll kind of look at, and this is Bildad uh, responding to Job, and then uh, chapter 9, Job answers him, and then in chapter 10, it's a continuation of the answer, but he kind of says that he's going to cry out to the Lord. And so, but let's begin reading in chapter 8, and it says, Then answered Bildad uh, the Shuhite, and said, How long wilt thou speak these things, and how long shall the words of thy mouth be like a strong wind? Doth God pervert judgment, or doth the Almighty pervert justice? If thy children have sinned against him, and he have cast them away for their transgression, boy, what... What an encouragement. They just got what they deserved. Uh, If they were right with God, this wouldn't have happened. Uh, Anyway, sorry, let me not get ahead of my notes here. But verse, uh, where do I leave off? Verse 5, if thou wouldst seek unto God betimes, make thy supplication to the Almighty. If thou wert pure and upright, surely now he would awake for thee and make the habitation of thy righteousness prosperous. Uh, Though thy beginning was small, yet the latter end shall... Uh, or should greatly increase. For inquire, I pray thee, of the former age, and prepare thyself to search, or to the search of their fathers. For we are but yesterday, and know nothing, because our days upon earth are a shadow. Shall not they teach thee, and tell thee, and utter words out of their heart? Can the rush grow up without mire, and can the flag grow without water? Whilst it is yet in the greenness, and uh, not cut down, it withereth before any other herb. So are the paths of all that forget God, and the hypocrites' hope shall perish, whose hope shall be cut off, and whose uh, trust shall be a spider's web. He shall lean upon his house, but it shall not stand. He shall hold it fast, but it shall not endure. He is green uh, before the sun, and his branch shooteth forth in his garden. His roots are wrapped about uh, the heap, and seeth uh, the place of stones." Verse 18, if he destroy him from the place, then it shall deny him, saying, have not seen thee. Behold, this is the joy of his way, and out of the earth shall others grow. Behold, God will not cast away a perfect man, neither will he help the evildoers, till he fill his mouth with laughing and thy lips with rejoicing. They that hate thee shall be clothed with shame, and the dwelling place of the wicked shall come to naught. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day, Lord. And Lord, I pray as we... Continue through this uh, book of Job, and as we look at these thoughts today, Lord, that you'd help us, Lord, to glean something from your word that would be a blessing and a help to each one here. 
Lord, you know the heart need. And Father, I pray that we would cast our care upon you. Lord, those things that have burdened us down this week and those things that have occupied our time and our attention, Lord, I pray that you just help us to cast those upon you. And Lord, that we can, next, for the next few moments, just focus on your word and Lord, that we can be strengthened and encouraged, Lord, to continue. And Father, I pray that you'd help us never to be weary in well-doing. And Father, now today we pray that you would bless in a special way throughout this facility, be with each teacher, Lord, fill with your spirit, and I pray that the word of God would go forth with power. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. So as we pick up here, um, Bildad, he replies to Job's response here in chapter 8, and he asks Job, how long will he say such things or such things and state that Job's words are like a blast of strong wind? He's basically just calling Job a blowhard. <laughs> you know, you big complainer. How long are you going to act like a baby? Um, what a friend. Uh, Bildad is apparently upset. Job refuses to accept Eliphaz's counsel. Right? <laughs> um, he, he asked Job if God perverts justice or what is right. Uh, they're questioning God, really, in, in how what's taking place in Job's life here. Um, if you were right with God, this wouldn't be taking place. But again, we know that that's not true. And, and, and again, we need to be very careful to make assumptions about how we assume God works. Um. Sometimes people go through difficult things in life and it was no fault of their own. And if we're not careful, we'll make accusations uh, and say, well, if you were living for God and honoring God, that wouldn't be taking place. And that's not the case all the time. Certainly that can be the case at times. God does bring chastisement in the lives of people, in the lives of his children that, that are living uh, disobediently. Uh, verse 4, it says, If thy children have sinned against him, and he have cast them away for their transgression. Listen, he says, even their children receive what is just based on their sin. He makes the assumption. This isn't the kind of comfort that you want from a friend. Uh, we know that Job was living right. And thank God we have the end of the story here. But um, be careful as you try to help your friend. That you're not giving him bad theology. This isn't the whole picture of how God works. Right. And we'll look at that when Job responds to him. Because Job agrees. Verse 9, then Job answered and said, I know it is so of a truth. He understands that there are oftentimes that is how we understand that God works. He blesses those that are honoring and living for him. But that's not the whole story. <clears throat> he tells Job if he's pure and upright, God will restore him in verses 5 through 7 uh, to his rightful place. Verse 5 and 6 says, Thou wouldest seek unto God betimes and make thy supplication to the Almighty. If thou wert pure and upright, surely now he would awake for thee. <laughs> Boy, he's accusing of God being at rest. There's nothing further from the truth. We know that God was in heaven. He's aware of everything that's taking place in Job's life. God's not slumbering. He hasn't forgotten him. Uh, and make the habitation of thy righteousness prosperous. Though thy beginning was small, yet thy latter end should greatly increase there in verse 7. And uh, we just need to be careful that we make assumptions about what God's doing. Uh, we need to be very careful about that. And in verses 8 through 13, we see Bill, Bill, Bill Dad bases his authority on the former age. 
uh, and the fathers or the authorities of the past who will teach Job understanding or wisdom. He illustrates his point by asking if rush or papyrus, rush is, is, is the idea of papyrus there, grows where there is no mire or marsh, or if the flags or the reeds, uh, kind of the idea of, of bulrushes and those, those things, grow where there is no water. Uh, before they are ready to be cut off, they dry up quicker than any other herb. Bildad says this in verse uh, eight and, or 12 and 13. Uh, it says, Whilst it is yet in the greenness and not cut down, it withereth before any other herb. So are the paths of all that forget God, and the hypocrite's hope shall perish. He's like, those, uh, Job, you need to get right with God. These things are coming upon you uh, because you're not honoring in, in, in living for God in your life. Verse 20, well, let me not get it. Verses 14 through 19, Bildad continues by telling Job his trust shall be a spider's web. You know, Job's security is in his possessions rather than God. All those things that we have. He compares Job to an uprooted bush that others will replace in verses 14 through 19 is where we see those, those things. But then look at this, what he says in verse 20. It says, Behold, God will not cast away a perfect man, neither will help the evildoers, and they, they just keep pounding Job about if you would just get right with God. This is not how God teaches or treats his people, his obedient people. Um, hopefully it will all make sense when we get to the end of this lesson, but Bildad is sure Job has done something evil. This is how God works in the lives of the people that honor God. Uh, he's certain of it. He insists all of Job's adversity could be remedied if Job would only repent. But Job was a perfect and upright man. He goes on and says, His mouth will then be filled with laughing and his lips with shouts with joy, and Job's enemies will be put to shame. In verses 21 and 22, all this suggests if Job denies he has sinned, he's a hypocrite. He's calling Job a hypocrite because he's, you know, and if only the relief from the adversity were that simple. You know, Bildad, uh, his words of condemnation only intensified Job's mental suffering. He's not providing any comfort to his friend. Uh, he's just bringing more distress. Listen, listen what Psalm 34, 19 says. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. We do not have a free pass just because we live for God. Just because we're in Christ and we have Christ's righteousness, we're, because we're Christians, we don't have a free pass that we're not going to suffer some things. Many are the afflictions of who? The righteous. We are not destined to a life of ease in sunshine and butterflies. Boy, that would be nice. I would love to have the exact perfect amount of precipitation and sunlight every day. But the reality is not the case. There will be storms. There will be difficulties in life. For the righteous. But don't forget the last part of verse nine, uh, Psalm 34, 19. But the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Listen, we need to trust God in the affliction, in the storm. God doesn't give you a free pass to not have to face it or go through it. But he promises that he will bring you through it. And so you can trust him. Uh, and listen, understand when it's time to comfort a friend that's going through it. Just let them know, hey, God's still here. God can bring you through this circumstance. Certainly, if you know they're in sin, 
encourage them to get right with God. But the reality is, uh, they're not always in sin. Behold, we count them happy which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job. Boy, as we, as we go through this book, and, and we have hindsight here, you can see how Job, even though he expressed himself very openly, and we'll look at a little bit of that today, uh, he was patient. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. The affliction's coming. Bad things are coming. Don't get caught up in the idea that everything's going to be good and happy and, and great. God will allow bad things to take place in your life. And in the midst of all of that, you might feel forsaken. You might feel all hope is lost. You might feel like there's no way that we can get through this. But don't forget, he's able to deliver you out of all of it. But you have to be patient. Listen, we're, we're a, a have it your way and have it right now society. Uh, I remember when I was a teenager, there was a man that preached on a Burger King Christianity. Have it your way. The reality is that's not reality. We don't have it our way. God lets us go through things. Listen, there is no drive through in the Christian life where we can just get what we want and be on our way. We have to go through the afflictions. We have to go through the troublings, even when we're doing everything right that we know to do. Nobody's perfect. Listen, the reality is we deserve affliction. We deserve heart. We deserve hell. And so when life gets rough and we begin to complain, I don't think this is how God works. Why would God do this? Don't question God. He's able to deliver you. Listen, and we have the end of the book. In Christ, we're on the winning side. And so don't lose sight of that. Don't allow some bad theology or some, some clown of a friend to come and try to provide some advice that is anything contrary to what God says. It will be hard some days. And listen, those days turn into weeks. And those weeks to months. And sometimes longer than that, but be patient. <clears throat> James 5.11, Behold, we count them happy which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job and have, been, or have seen the end of the Lord. And look, look at what it says the end of the Lord is, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. God has not forgotten you. God is still merciful God is still pitiful, and He will work things out in His timing, as we'll see here this morning. And so, as we look at this, thankfully, we are in a different age than Job. We do have Christ. We do have a mediator. And so, Bildad, again, he just kind of really doubles down on what Eliphaz has said. And so, Job in chapter 9 is his response. And then, uh, verse, or chapter 9, the first few verses there, it says, Then Job answered and said, I know it is so of truth. But how should man be just with God? If he will contend with him, he cannot answer him one of a thousand. Wise and hard and mighty in strength, who hath hardened himself against him and hath prospered? And so Job in his reply to, to Bildad here is, is uh, <clears throat> he agrees with him. Oftentimes that's how God does work. God brings affliction. God, we might say God allows chastisement in the lives of people that are living contrary to him and to his word. He's like, I understand. You're not saying anything that's not necessarily untrue. 
And Job can't, feels like he can't prove his innocence to an inf, uh, infinite, all-powerful God, even if he could take him to court. He's like, what can I do here? I know oftentimes in my affliction in this life, I can trace it back to a time where I wasn't right with God. And here we have Job that is upright, that is perfect. He, he eschews evil. He, he avoids those things that, that are contrary to what God would have him for in his life. And he's like, how can I justify myself before an almighty God? <clears throat> I know it is so of a truth, but how should man be just with God? Verse 2. Job knows what the Bible says is true in principle. He understands, but he asks how a person can be declared righteous before God. Job feels he cannot prove his innocence to an infinite, all-powerful God. At verses 3 through 9, he acknowledges God rules the universe, the sun, the stars, the heavens, of the sea, and the sea. He said God makes the stars, and he talks about uh, Arcturus and, and Orion and Pleiades, I believe is how you pronounce it, and just constellations. And the whole idea is this is an almighty God, the creator of everything. How can we go before him? In verse 10, he continues, does God, uh, God does great things that are incomprehensible to infinite humans, and his miracles are without number. You see that in verse 10? It says, which doeth great things past finding out, yea, and the wonders without number. How can we approach such a magnificent or great God. And he says God is invisible in verses 11 through 13. He passes by him, but he cannot see him. Uh, Job take, or God taketh away people in death and no one can stop him because his power is irresistible. No one can ask what God is doing because he is sovereign. And he talks about these proud helpers here. And I think the meaning is uh, probably all those things which contribute to the support of pride or all the persons who are allied together to maintain a dominion of pride on the earth but must sink under the wrath of God. The idea of the aids of pride or the helpers of pride, all the things of which men often rely on, wealth, health, rank, talents. <clears throat> Since God is so awesome, Job asks, how can he answer him? Verse 15, it says, Whom, though I were righteous, yet would I not answer, but I would make supplication to my judge. And even if he was righteous, Job cannot defend himself before such a great God. What are we to do? This is what Job thinks he must do. Look at verses 14 through 24. It says, How much less shall I answer him and choose out of my words to reason with him? Whom though I were righteous, yet would I answer, but I would make supplication to my judge. If I had called and he had answered me, yet would I not believe that he had hearkened unto my voice. For he breaketh me with a tempest and multiplieth my wounds without cause. He would not suffer me to take my breath. Boy, I can't even, you ever been in it so hard you feel like you just can't catch a breath? But filleth me with bitterness. If I speak of strength, lo, he is strong, and if of judgment, who shall set me a time to plead? If I justify myself, mine own mouth shall condemn me. If I say I am perfect, it shall also prove me perverse. Though I were perfect, yet would I 
uh, not know my soul. I would despise my life. This one thing, therefore, I said it. He destroyeth the perfect and the wicked. If the scourge slay suddenly, he will laugh at the trial of the innocent. The earth is given into the hand of the wicked. He covereth the faces of judges thereof. If not, where and who is he? Regardless of the merits of his plea, since he cannot get his breath, Job believes God is wearing him out. Job says, even if the right in his own mouth would condemn him because he would be confused before God. In, in verses 25 through 32, it says, Since it appears to him God is determined to punish him, Job believes it is useless to try to prove himself upright. What's the point? Uh, he says, His days are passing faster than a runner, and they pass without him seeing any good. Job believes no matter what he does, God will not find him innocent. So he will condemn, will be condemned. Even if he washes himself with snow water and cleans his hands, God will plunge him back into a ditch of suffering. I don't know if I came to a satisfactory answer on this snow water, but I think it's definitely a picture of purification and cleansing in those things. And I saw some things about the snow water being... Uh, because it came from white snow and uh, the purity that that would uh, leave or uh, represent. And so I just, I thought it was interesting. But I, I think the idea, we, we understand it's, it's an idea of pure, even if he would wash himself and cleanse himself. And, and there's references to that. And even, what was it, Pilate, when uh, he turned over Jesus, he washed his hands before the multitude uh, to try to justify himself and his decision there. But uh, but here we see God, he, Job just feels like everything's hopeless no matter what he does. God will plunge him back into a ditch of suffering. Job uh, concludes the idea of defending himself before God by saying, God is not a man as he is, so he can't answer him. Uh, look at verse uh, 33. He says that, and then in verse 33, neither is there any daysman betwixt us that might lay his hand upon us both. And he's talking about a mediator, somebody that can come and be an arbiter uh, between him and God. Job is yearning for a mediator between himself and God. Uh, he's looking for somebody to, to mediate on his behalf uh, between these two parties uh, to bring reconciliation. Isn't that the, the purpose of a mediator? Uh, to bring reconciliation. He's, he, he feels like he is abandoned. He feels like God is punishing him. And how difficult that must be knowing that you're walking with him and you're upright. Um, and, he, the, uh, and so he's just looking for somebody in his way. And I want to remind you of 1 Timothy 2.5. For there's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Listen, thank God we have the end of the book. You know, when we see these examples of the saints that have gone before us, they didn't necessarily have all the answers like we do. And so I'm so thankful for a mediator. Job needs somebody to mediate on his behalf. He's, just, he's suffering and he's going through it and he's like, Lord, I just don't understand. What's taking place here? If he had a mediator, he could speak to God and not fear him. Verses 34 and 35 is, is, is the thought there. But since we have a mediator, we can go with confidence to God's throne of grace. 
and find mercy and grace to help in a time of need. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Listen, our suffering is so much more sufferable or manageable knowing that we have Christ. The great comfort that comes knowing that we do have a mediator. That the Son of God has come and He's died in our place and now we have access to the throne of grace. But that doesn't mean we won't have afflictions. But I'm so thankful we do have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens. Listen, and he's making, he, he's, the Holy Spirit is praying for us, interceding on our behalf. And so I think we are in a better position than maybe what Job fully, uh, or could fully understand, is we have somebody on our behalf making intercessions for us. Listen, sometimes when we don't, uh, but certainly when we are seeking that guidance, he is there for us. Listen, if you don't know Christ, the wrath of God abides upon you. And you're not in the position of Job where you're perfect and right. You don't have any righteousness. Your righteousness is filthy rags. You need the righteousness of Christ. Uh, You need to come to Christ because the benefit of having the comfort of God on your side is not there without Christ. The reality is the wrath of God abideth upon you. And so here in chapter 10, as as we close out this thought this morning, I want to remind you that God can make everything beautiful. You can go through the worst circumstances that this life has to offer, but God can still work things on your behalf. And sometimes we lose sight of that. We want everything to work out and and be good and hunky-dory all the time. But that's not how God works. Sometimes we have to go through the difficult things in life to bring us along to the point where God wants us. Um, So look at chapter 10 and verses 1 and 2. My soul is weary. So this is Job here. He decides to talk to God directly. There is no daemon betwixt us, right? And so so he's going to go to God and he said, my soul is weary of my life. I will leave my complaint upon myself. I will speak in the bitterness of my soul. Verse 2, it says, I will say unto God, do not condemn me. Show me wherefore thou contendest with me. He's like, God, why are you contending with me? Why is this happening in my life? Job, I, I think it's interesting, he speaks to God instead of his friends here. What a better place to go. Boy, his friends are miserable comforters. And so he goes to the one that can help. And so listen, we we need to turn to God in our difficulties and our challenges. Listen, whether we're going through it because we deserve it, because there is sin in our life, or we're going through it because God's allowing it, we just need to go to him. And trust him. He's the only one. Listen, Job just, we just looked at how God, he created everything and he controls everything. 
To whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of life. What else can we turn? But to God. And so, listen, friends are great. I like friends. And I do things for my friends. And my friends do things for me. But the one true friend that we really need to have a relationship with is Jesus Christ. He's the only friend that's going to give his life and has given his life. Listen, Job goes to God here and um, (laughs) asking to complain freely. Our God is very aware of the difficulties that we face. And sometimes the things that we have in our heart and the way that we feel, we don't want to express that because, oh boy, that's not the right response. Listen, God knows it's in your heart. Just cry out to Him. Express it to Him. Let Him know how you feel. He tells God He is disgusted with His life. He pleads with God not to condemn Him as, and ask God what charge He is bringing against Him. In verse to it says, wherefore thou contendest with me. In verses 3 through 7, Job has some questions for God. Uh, really, in essence, he, he asks if God is getting some kind of pleasure out of his adversity. He asks if, uh, if God has eyes like a man and is investigating Job's life. Job tells God he knows he is not guilty, and yet no one can rescue him from God's hand. What a difficult place to be. In verses 8 through 10, Job continues to cross-examine God as if he is in court. He admits God has shaped and made him and asks why he wants to destroy him. God, what are you doing here? But Job gives a wonderful description of of forming a baby in the womb. Uh, In verse 11, Thou hast clothed me with skin and flesh and hast fenced me with bones and sinew and Uh, It's just interesting, in all of this, he still recognizes who God is as the Creator. Verse 10, it says, Thou hast poured me out as milk and curdled me like cheese. (laughs) I'm not a biologist, a scientist by any means, but when you think of how God formed us in the womb, separating the the solids and the liquids, the idea of curdling, uh, and just he recognizes that God had formed him. Job wants to know why after giving him life and, and protection, God has turned against him. Boy, you've created something so wonderful. Uh, why does it appear that you've turned against me? Uh, in our minds, it, we would think, why, why such waste? Why would God put so much into forming us and creating us and allow this to happen? It's wasteful. Listen, God wastes nothing. And so oftentimes we feel like there is no good that can come of this. What can possibly be good out of this situation? Just trust God. He's the creator. He knows far better than us. Why this waste? God never wastes anything. Listen, and that too includes tragedy and hurts. He can work all those things good. Ecclesiastes 3.11, He hath made everything beautiful, Look, at, here's, the, here's what I want you to get to that in his time. We always want it in our time. Um, I learned I'm not a great craftsman. 
there's some great, uh, I won't mention a lot of names, I don't want to start bragging on people, but we have some really good craftsmen in our church. But I'm not a good craftsman because I'm not patient. I am the framer. I want to do rough framing. And it served me well in the Air Force because in a deployed location, you just slap wood together and press on. You don't worry about it. Function is the goal. Our God is a fine craftsman. He's willing to take the time to whittle, to chisel, to cut, to make a beautiful piece of carpentry or the potter and the clay as, as we see in the Bible. Listen, our God is a patient God. And so as He allows affliction in our life and as He allows bad things to happen in our life, listen, it's in His time. And I've learned when I try to be a good craftsman, I always get in a rush. At some point, I start cutting a corner because I want to get it done. And when I get to my finished product, I'm disappointed. I'm like, oh, if I would have just did that a little bit slower, if I would have taken my time. The process of finishing a piece of wood, you don't just slap a coat of paint on it and it's beautiful. That's latex paint, it's not that good looking. But if you take the time to stain it, steel wool, layer after layer, you can get something that's beautiful and it really lasts a long time. That's how our God works. And we have a difficult time in our society today because we want everything right now. We want everything to happen in our timing. We don't want to wait, but God is, is willing to wait and He will make everything beautiful in His time. God can do the impossible. Listen, he can take the roughest piece of wood and make it the most beautiful thing. He can take the roughest individual that we think is unsavable. God loves that person. God can take that person and make them, and listen, I'm telling you this morning, he'll make them better than you because you're self-righteous and you think you've arrived. But somebody that's humble that knows they need God, God can bring them a lot further along, and oftentimes he does. We need to be careful. So Job in chapter 10, 11, he continues saying, God conceals all these things in his heart. And it was God's purpose that all, uh, that all along the way that he would allow him to suffer. God was stalking him with a fierce lion in, in these verses. It's, uh, I love the word pictures here. Just waiting to use his miraculous power against him. God just seems to continually be warring. And he closes out chapter 10 and verses 18 through 22. It says, once again, Job wishes he, was, uh, he had died at birth and, and been carried directly from the womb to the grave. Verse 18, wherefore uh, then hast thou brought me forth out of the womb? Oh, that I had given up the ghost and no eye had seen me. I should have been as though I had not been, I should have been carried from the womb to the grave. Listen, sometimes it can feel miserable. But trust God, He can still work it out. And He will. Often adversity can seem unfair. I know this is an adult Sunday school class, but I will remind you, life's not fair. I don't know how many times we tell our kids that. Well, how come... 
my brother gets to do this or that. Well, life's not fair, buddy. You're a different person. You have a different life to live than him. And so at this circumstance, he's going to do that and you're not. Sit down and shut up. No. (laughs) Don't question why God blesses some and you feel like you're not getting it. Allow God to do his work. He will work it out beautifully in the end. Trust him. And I will remind you as we close this morning of James chapter 5, 10 and 11. Take my brethren the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and patience. And here it is again. Behold, we count them happy which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord. Listen, God's looking at the end. We live day to day. I understand that. And we have challenges in this life and, and we go through struggles and, and it seems like sometimes there's one punch after the other. But listen, God's playing the end game. And just trust that in the end, He'll make everything beautiful in His time. Don't get caught up in some bad theology that God doesn't allow bad things to happen to His people. Remember, we do have a mediator. God, listen, as I was driving in today, all I could think of is casting your care upon Him for He careth you for you. This life is full of cares. Our families face difficult situations, difficult circumstances. Financial trouble comes. Health issues rise up. Just cast it on Him. You can't carry it yourself. And He can work it all out. Better than you can ever try to figure everything out and make something work. Just trust Him in this. We must rely and trust God to work things out in His time. Listen, listen. He's merciful. He has your best interests in mind. Let's pray.